Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. So for those of you who weren't here last week, my name's Rebecca. I'm a lect- both a lecturer and a student at Malian, which is really sort of interesting place to be on sort of both sides of the coin there. Um, I teach in pastoral care, so looking at sort of listening skills and just different reasons that people would come for support within the church. Um, so I'm also a psychologist, so I work... Um, at the Brisbane Child and Adolescent Psychology Centre, but I work across the lifespan there, so see from children all the way through to adults. Um, So I guess I'm coming to speak in a very professional capacity um, about faith and mental health, um, but also from a personal perspective. So I shared a little bit last week that um, my mum lived with depression for most of her life and my dad has anxiety. So um, as is often the case in families with mental health, I too (laughs) experience both depression and anxiety. Um, particularly social anxiety. So I was absolutely terrified last week meeting all these new people and coming here. I'm still anxious this week, but not quite so terrified. So, um, yeah, new new things is, I think, what anxiety kind of really holds on. Um, Yeah, so last week, I'll just see if I can... We go... Last week we had a look at um, Moses and we sort of did a little bit of a snapshot across his life Um, and had a look at some of those times where there was quite a lot of emotion going on for Moses. Um, And particularly as a psychologist, I saw a lot of anxious kind of thinking going on um, and a lot of strategies that um, anxious people often use, like trying to get some control and things like that. But despite this anxiety, though, um, um, Moses was was obedient to God. We see this life that he lived where he, he sort of followed God's call Um, and finished well. He handed over leadership to Joshua on the borders of the Promised Land. So we get this sense that he did his job. He did what God called him to do, despite perhaps some of these anxious thoughts and feelings that he lived with. Um, So we're going to move on and have a look at Jeremiah today. But before we actually look at Jeremiah, I thought it was useful just to provide a little context to, um, to sort of where he was and where he, when he was called by God. Um, so, so the Israelites, did, Joshua did lead the Israelites into the promised land um, and they all got set up. But unfortunately, what we read happens was this cycle that started to happen of the Israelites moving away from and back towards God. Um, and this went on, <laughs> went on and on and on. Even after they asked for a king, they got a king and this, still this cycle continued. Um, So this is linked, was a link to a lot. So they'd move away from God. God would send sort of surrounding nations in to say, you know, like to, and they'd be this kind of, the Israelites would go through quite a lot of suffering and be under sort of occupation. And then they'd cry out to God and God would send sort of a judge um, to come in and bring them out of that and save them. And they'd turn back to God and then the whole cycle would sort of start going around and around again. So because of this, God... Um, as well as judges, God also sent um, many, many prophets during this time to kind of warn the people. Um, unfortunately, um, the people kept turning away. So we ended up having this um, split between the Israelites, between the northern and southern kingdoms. Um, so the north centered around Samaria and had 10 tribes in the north and two tribes in the south, the southern kingdom, that were based around Jerusalem. Um, And so because of this continued cycle of the people turning away, the northern kingdom was eventually exiled. um, And the Assyrians came in and 
completely defeated the Israelites and took them out of the promised land. So this was a huge breaking of the covenant that God had made with the people in that time. It was a hugely significant time um, for the Israelites. Um, The southern kingdom, however, was still in Jerusalem, in and around Jerusalem. Um, So God continues to send prophets to the existing southern kingdom um, to to keep warning them. You know, if you keep turning away from God, there's going to be consequences. Um, And Jeremiah was one of the prophets that God called during this time. So his message was obviously very unpopular because basically what Jeremiah was called by God to say was that you're going to end up like the northern kingdom. You're going to go into exile. You keep letting me down. You keep turning away. You keep breaking the covenant. Like, this can't go on. You need to turn back to me. Um, And yet, so there was a lot of pushback against Jeremiah's message because a lot of other people in Israel were actually saying, no, 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 that can't be right because we're God's people. You know, don't listen to Jeremiah or don't listen to what the prophets are saying. We're God's people. We're going to sort of stay here. So I guess Jeremiah was in a place where he was giving a very unpopular message, and there was a lot of pushback. Really difficult call, right? (laughs) Like, really difficult call. And my little flick is not wanting to do that. Can you do that? Thank you. (laughs) So because of this really difficult call, what we see is a man of great emotion in Jeremiah. So he's actually known as the weeping prophet. Have you ever heard that term for him before? So um, huge emotions that Jeremiah experienced. Um, And as I was looking into, I actually did a subject on Jeremiah, which was really interesting and amazing. And as I was reading more about Jeremiah, um, they're talking about where these different emotions were kind of coming from for him. And as you read through the book of Jeremiah, you can see, um, yeah, these sort of different categories. So there were emotions that he experienced related to what he was going through personally in terms of how hard his call was and the challenges he was facing then. He also felt emotion as being part of God's people um, that were now coming under judgment. So there was all these emotions coming up from this sense of being disconnected from God. Um, But there was also um, emotions in there that were very reflective of God's own emotions um, towards Judah and how God was sort of thinking and feeling about um, this whole situation that the Israelites had sort of put themselves into. So I'll have a look at those emotions in a little bit more detail Um, So with the personal emotions, as you read through Jeremiah, these are the sort of emotions that come up. So um, Jeremiah was feeling there was anguish in there, there was loneliness, there was fear, there was anxiety, self-pity and almost self-hate at times, questioning why he was even born. Um, There was doubt. Am I doing the right thing? Is this really God's message? There was a a sort of sense of despair, like God's told me that this is going to happen. The Israelites are going to be exiled. Um, So a pretty despairing, hopeless kind of time. It was disappointment and there was quite a lot of anger as well that Jeremiah expressed throughout his book. Um, And it really makes sense when you read about what Jeremiah went through. So across his ministry, there were multiple threats to his life because he was bringing this message that nobody wanted to hear. Um, So the solution was, well, we'll just kill off Jeremiah, right? So we'll stop him from giving this message. Um, His family turned against him. His family didn't want anything to do with him. Um, So he was very isolated. He was told by God not to marry. He had no family. Um, He was beaten and put in the stocks. 
Um, his prophecy was rejected outright. He was imprisoned. And he was forced to flee Judah against his will right at the end, um, coming to the end of his life. So it was a pretty tough call, right? Like, it's a pretty tough ministry that Jeremiah was called to do. No wonder all of these emotions were coming up for him. Like, when you read that list, I'm like, of course. You know, this is a very human response to what Jeremiah was living through and experiencing. With respect to the communal emotions that he had, so um, emotions that he felt as part of the people of God. Um, so I love that you were talking about community earlier, because I think that really applies to the Israelites. They were a very, they had a communal identity, right? They weren't just individuals that were kind of, you know, living together and worshipping together. And, you know, they were actually, see, saw themselves as a, as, as a as a unit, as a, a people of God. Um, and so Jeremiah was an Israelite. Um, so he felt what the people felt. I've just lost my place in my own notes. There we go. Um, so he really shared in the sort of the feelings that the people were going through as well. So as the exile was coming up and the people were realising this was going to happen, there was a great deal of sort of anguish and despair in response to this coming judgement, knowing it was on the way. Um, and as I was doing my reading around when I was looking into Jeremiah in more depth, there was a lot of people that talked about the fact that he was kind of a symbol, Jeremiah was a symbol of the suffering that the people were about to undergo. So it wasn't only just the things that Jeremiah said that was part of his prophecy, it was actually his experience and how he felt that was part of the prophecy. Does that kind of make sense? So it wasn't just his words in how he was fulfilling God's call, it was his experience as well, how he felt, what he went through, was kind of a symbol of how painful this, this judgment, this exile was going to be. And the last part was reflecting God's emotions. And similarly, um, you know, because Jeremiah was kind of feeling about Israel the way that God felt about Israel, it's kind of like, again, like part of his message wasn't his words, but his emotions. He was revealing God's heart for the people of Judah, you know, through the emotions that he was showing and experiencing. So again, the emotion was part of the prophecy. It was part of his call. Um, it was really showing how God felt. God it was experiencing a great deal of pain and despair. You know, these were his chosen people. These are the people that he'd picked out, that he'd made a covenant with, you know, that he'd blessed and, and taken out of Egypt and brought to the promised land, and yet they just kept turning away. God was, you know, really sad and, and in despair about this. Um, and that was reflected through Jeremiah's emotion. Um, and throughout Jeremiah, there's also a great deal of tension that we experience. And one of those tensions, I think, was between God's wrath at the people for their disobedience and continual turning away, but his ongoing love for them as well. And I think this comes out really clearly in Jeremiah as well when you read some of the things that he said about the people. There was this great anger at the people for not listening, but also this great love and this great connection with the people as well. So we definitely see this, that Jeremiah's emotions were very reflective of God's and, and showing God's heart. So what was Jeremiah's response to all this? I love this verse in Jeremiah. I'm probably familiar with it. It's a well-known one. But in Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah cries out, 
But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, so there's a sense of like, I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. Yet his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. So you can see this great emotion, this great burden that he was bearing as he did his call. Um, And there's this sense of like, I just can't do it anymore, God. It's too hard. But then I can't not do it anymore. You know, you've placed this call on my life. You've placed this message. I need to keep speaking. Um, So I thought I'd just have a little bit, because I know this is all very sort of heavy stuff, and I've got a few little illustrations, I guess, that I wanted to give around um, common ways that we sort of manage emotion and what what could Jeremiah sort of do with all this big emotion that he was carrying. Um, Now, I have kids, and I work with a lot of kids, so both my examples are from children's movies, so I hope you don't mind, but children's movies have such great examples, can I just say, beautiful metaphors. So the first one I want to introduce you to is Unikitty. Does anyone, has anyone seen the Lego movie? Anyone familiar with it? There's a few out there, yay. (laughs) I love kids' movies, I think they're great. Um, So the Lego movie, as it implies, is a movie about where all of the characters are Lego minifigures in this movie. Um, and one of them is Unikitty. This is, and we meet Unikitty in a place called Cloud Cuckoo Land. So Cloud Cuckoo Land is kind of where all the, the minifigures that are really awesome at building um, sort of hang out. It's like their secret base. And it's awesome. Like, it's really creative. There's all these really weird Lego creations and stuff. And um, we meet Unikitty, and she's, like, introducing us to Cloud Cuckoo Land, and she's going on about how positive it is and how wonderful, and there's only happy emotions, and everything's great. And if you have any negative thoughts or emotions, you just push them right, 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 deep down till nobody ever, so nobody ever finds them. So Unikitty is kind of like a perfect example of repression, right, or avoidance or denial. So we have these feelings come up, but then we just push them down and just pretend they're not there and we won't pay any attention to them. So this is actually a super common way, particularly in our Western culture over here, that we often deal with emotion. So rather than sort of sitting with them or feeling them, we just kind of ignore them or push them down, push them away. The problem with this response is they don't actually go away. (laughs) So feelings have a way of sort of just hanging around and kind of ruminating. And what tends to happen then is kind of a straw that broke the camel's back. This is what happened to Unikitty. (laughs) So after years and years and years of, you know, repressing these emotions, um, she, I think she, yeah, they end up, anyway, the the whole, the um, Lego universe is at threat. And this is her response. Unikitty, just all that emotion that she's repressed just comes out. And so we get kind of rage kitty. Um, and she goes out. So that's, fortunately, emotions don't go away. They just kind of fester and hold on there and something will trigger and usually they come out in this big kind of uncontrollable, yeah, just like Unikitty. So I would highly recommend the Lego movie for those of you who haven't seen it. <laughs> um, so an alternative metaphor, again, from a kid's movie is, um, who's seen Inside Out, the Disney movie? Aww, beautiful movie, again. Like, I would highly recommend it. It does a beautiful job of um, just exploring emotion and why we have emotion and what it's there for. So the story actually happens inside the main character's head, this girl called Riley. Um, And what we see play out is um, all her little emotions. So the movie is all about the emotions that are in her head. 
Um, so on the screen we have one character, this is Sad, sitting with Bing Bong. So Bing Bong is Riley's imaginary friend. Um, and because Riley's sort of grown up now, he's still kind of hanging around in her, in, in her mind, but he's not sort of actively sort of present, I guess, in Riley's life anymore. Um, and this is the scene is where he loses this little rocket, wagon rocket, that Riley and him used to play with. And this is really upsetting for him because this was kind of the, the one thing that was connected to a lot of beautiful memories that he had of his time with Riley. Um, and so he was really, really, really sad. The problem is they're on their way to get somewhere and there's another character which you can't see in this actual shot called Joy. Um, and she's like starting to freak out that we're not going to get to where we need to be. So she starts putting on that, you know, she starts smiling, pulling faces, you know, saying funny things, trying to snap Bing Bong out of it, but it's not working. He's, because Bing Bong's just so sad at the loss of this, this very sentimental kind of wagon rocket, right? So Sad comes up and she just sits next to Bing Bong. She sort of like sighs and she's like, that rocket was really important to you, wasn't it? And that helps Bing Bong actually get in touch with that sadness, that grief about losing this rocket. And he starts to talk about his memories with Riley and he starts to cry. He cries lollies, I think, which is really <laughs> cute. But, but he starts to cry. Um, and he has this big cry and, and Sad just sits there and lets him cry, you know? And he cries and cries and he's like, big sigh. And it's like, okay, I'm ready to go on now. So this is another way that we can manage emotions, which is actually a biblical way of managing emotions. It's how we're taught in the Bible to manage emotions, and it's a very healthy way as well. Um, so basically, if we actually get in touch with, sit, and release those emotions, um, we move through it. We, we process, and we do what we need to do. Um, emotions are really important. They're communicators. So in Inside Out, we find out about that. Sad is about loss. Sad, when we feel sad about something, it alerts us that, um, you know, we're disconnected from something that's important. You know, anxiety, like we talked about last week with Moses, is all about keeping us safe. If we didn't have fear, we'd be doing, you know, crazy stuff, like, I don't know, like jumping off cliffs or, you know, going running with grizzly bears or something. So fear actually keeps us safe. Fear is like, this could harm you. You need to pay attention. So emotions are really important to actually connect and listen to. God made us with emotions, God feels emotions. So, and this is the way that Jeremiah managed all of those big, big emotions that he experienced during his um, very difficult ministry. So throughout Jeremiah, we have what are called his confessions. Um, so they're um, in chapters 11, 15, 17, 18, and 20. Um, and so in these, we just read Jeremiah calling out to God and the way that he openly and honestly just brought those emotions to God. So he didn't push them down. He didn't hide them like Unikitty. He was much more like Bing Bong and Sad. So he brought them to the surface and he gave them to God. He said, this is what's going on for me, God. Um, so those confessions are very similar um, to like a lament that we see in other books of the Bible. So Lamentations is a book of laments that's attributed to Jeremiah. We see them in the Psalms and things like that in other places throughout the Bible, um, which is really important. So we have this, I guess, model in the Bible of what to do when we're feeling very deeply, and it is called lament. Um, 
So most laments, they sort of have a similar structure. They're not all exactly the same, but most laments will have a complaint. So this is what's going on for me. This is, you know, the situation, God. This is what's happened. Um, a sense of submission, so a sense of handing it to God. Can you do something with this, God? Or can I leave with this with you? Can you, can you help with this? And then sort of a, a, a moment of trust. So a like, thank, you know, a thanks to God or a praising God for being there. Um, so most laments have this structure. So I thought we'd just go through and have a snippet and look at each of those for an example of Jeremiah's kind of lament. So in 1510, we see an example of a complaint. Um, Alas, my mother, that you gave me birth, a man with whom the whole land strives and contends. I have neither lent nor borrowed, yet everyone curses me. So this is just pure complaint, right? Like this is what's going on for him. Like he just feels like everybody is against him. And so he's just openly and honestly bringing that to God. God, everybody is against me. Why, did, why was I even born? Like, this is ridiculous. Um, and then in 1515, we see submission. Lord, you understand. Remember me and care for me. Avenge me on my persecutors. You are long-suffering. Do not take me away. Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. So the submission is asking God to do something about the situation, yeah? He's saying, this is what it is. Things are horrible for me right now. Can you do something? Can you reach out? Can you look after me? Can you avenge my persecutors? You know, a bit of fire and brimstone sort of stuff that he's asking for there. But again, these are honest things that he wants from God from this situation. So again, he's being honest before God with what he wants God to do. And then we have the example of trust. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. So this sense of, you know, coming to a place, there's all these big emotions, I bring them to God, I give it over to him to do the judging, the work, the whatever it needs to happen, and then I just trust God that this will happen and praise him for that. Um, so what does lament actually do? Like, what, why is lament helpful? Um, well, one thing, it prevents a unikitty situation. So it prevents that repression and avoidance from happening. So we're not holding it all in. Um, it gives a voice and language to emotion as well. So it means that we can process and actually release that emotion in a healthy, in a healthy way. Um, it gives us space to learn. So before, when I was talking about emotions being communicators, it actually allows us to connect with them and figure out why they're there. You know, oh, hey, sadness, what have you popped up for? What's going on in my life? So it helps us to learn about what's happening, what, what the emotion is trying to kind of bring our attention to. Um, it prevents us from becoming trapped or ruled by our emotions. So there's an interesting thing about when we repress emotions, we, we think we're sort of okay and that we're feeling all right. But what then happens is we're kind of very much driven, like our actions and stuff are very much driven then by these sort of subconscious emotions that are going on. Whereas when we bring to them to the surface and are aware of them and talk them out, we're actually making more kind of conscious decisions about our choices and what we want to do with what's going on. So it prevents that sense of kind of us acting, acting from emotion. I have so many examples, by the way, of me acting in emotion. I'm sure we all do. So it's, you know, a work in progress. But something that we can, can move towards. 
It means we can maintain honesty before and faithfulness to God. I think this is an important one. Like God sees our hearts, right? He sees all of us hiding these things from God. He knows anyway, do you know what I mean? And he is big enough to hold them. He's the God of the universe. He can hear and hold our emotion. He has that capacity. Um, And it means because of that, because we maintain our honesty and faithfulness before God, we also maintain our connection with him. So it fosters that connection. And lament works the same with people that we trust and are close to. So just as we can bring those big emotions to God, we can bring them to trustworthy people as well in our lives. Um, And the same kind of process applies. So when I sort of, when I was looking at Jeremiah in more depth, when I did his subject, I think what really hit me is that, you know, when we're called by God, it's often not easy. (laughs) It's often not a simple thing to do what God is asking us to do. And I think Jeremiah is obviously a very extreme example of that. But our call may actually be challenging and even involve some sense of suffering or pain. Um, And I think as Christians living in a fallen world, Jeremiah reminds us to expect that. (laughs) And that it's just life as we are living in this kind of fallen place where God hasn't come yet. And I think the other thing I learned from Jeremiah was that we will gonna we we are going to feel. (laughs) We're gonna have emotion um, in difficult times. We may even feel despair or hopelessness or depression, big, really heavy emotions. These may happen because it's a human response to, again, living in this fallen world and the hard times that we may fall on. Um, But we're not alone in this, which I think is the most beautiful thing. So lament allows us to feel these emotions, to express them, and to stay connected with God. Um, And our emotion could even be a way that God speaks into the life of those around us. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like... If I see someone in pain and they see that I'm in pain for them, is that not God connecting, you know, with that person? Is that not us connecting on that deeper level um, and showing God's love for that person? God's in pain when he sees others in pain. So when we're in pain, seeing others in pain, we're reflecting God's heart, yeah? So I guess that's another thing to think about. Like, Like, we work so hard to not have emotion, but they can be so amazingly amazingly useful. Um, just before I ended, I just wanted to give you a little, uh, I guess, an example of how this has played out in my own life, because I know sometimes, you know, I can get up here and talk about these wonderful things, but, um, or these concepts, but um, I think sometimes applying them is useful. Um, so I hope you don't mind if I share a little sn- snapshot. <laughs> so in 2016, we had a really um, difficult year. Now, I'm not saying um, it's nowhere near what Jeremiah experienced, <laughs> nowhere near on that level, but still, it was a hard year. So it was between about December 2015 through to January 2017. Let's see if I can remember them. There was a lot of things. So my grandmother died. My husband's grandmother died. My cousin's eight-week-old baby died that year. Um, so my Mother-in-law was diagnosed with multiple mini brain hemorrhages and had to go through a lot of testing and stuff, which has all been sorted now, thankfully. Um, What happened? We had very people close to us move out because of domestic violence 
in the family with her two young children. Um, then I was diagnosed with celiac disease, which led to osteopenia, kind of a, a not as severe form of osteoporosis, so brittle bones. I was diagnosed with two heart valve regurgitations, which have thankfully since resolved. Um, my mum was diagnosed with early onset dementia in her late 50s. Um, and I, mis I hemorrhaged following a miscarriage and almost died. One year. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. So we'd have a few things happen. I'd start to kind of feel a little bit more myself. And then we'd have more things. Bam, bam, bam again. It was just a really tough year. <laughs> and I absolutely got to this point where I'm like, I was just waiting for bad stuff to happen because apparently this is my life now. You know, just the bad things are just going to keep rolling in. Um, so I experienced, I got really low during that time, lots of sense of like helplessness and despair, um, kind of anxiety about what's going to happen next. It was really, really tough. Um, but one of the verses that I kind of, there's a few verses, but one that I really clung to was Isaiah 43.2. So it says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Do you see the promise there? It's, it's not that the deep waters or the rivers or the, or the fire will be taken away. <laughs> it's not the promise. The promise is that my life is not going to be made easy. That's not the promise. The promise is God with me. Yeah? Those hard things are going to be there, but God's going to be with me. And lament is the way that we can reach out and grab hold of that promise of God with us. All right, I'm going to pray for you guys. Dear Lord God, I'd just like to thank you so much for the, um, for the story of Jeremiah that um, we can read today. I thank you for the way that you were with him throughout his extremely difficult ministry and calling. I thank you that he could call out with you that he gave us this beautiful model of what to do when all of these big, difficult emotions come up and we're feeling overwhelmed. I thank you that you have given us lament as a way to stay connected with you during difficult times. And I just pray for anyone out there who is going through such a difficult time at the moment. Dear God, please make your presence be felt and known. Help them know that even though they may need to continue to walk through the difficult time that you are there with them every step of the way and they can reach out and call out to you. I pray that you'd also bring people into their lives, that they would be your messages, that they would be able to sit with and just hold, hold these people in, in pain, just hold, hold them, be with them. Don't try and make it better or fix it, but just honour honor the path that they're through. Thank you so much, dear God, that you are with us 100% of the time. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.